Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Maybe that's where you've come from. You just always feel condemned. Well, then you don't understand your relationship with God. Romans 8 1 says, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, do we fail? Yes, and you should be repentant. But we must come from a place of grace. See, God's a good God. He loves you this morning. He's filled with more grace than you can ever imagine. Do I need it? Oh, I need it. And so do you. But remember, you're a son and daughter of a loving God. You have to believe that. Imagine if maps were drawn so that you could only see what was immediately in front of you. You could easily be derailed by a sharp turn if you were unprepared for it. God has a bird's eye view of our lives. He can see the mountains in our way, but from where he's coming from, moving them would be like flicking pebbles. It's said that the power of prayer can move mountains, but how can that happen if you have a stagnant prayer life? Open up communication between you and God by removing all of the sin and unforgiveness that's built up between you. Then have faith that the Lord will accomplish what's best for you, no matter what his answer is. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 22, for part one of our message entitled, Removing Mountains Through Prayer. Mark 11, verse 22. When it comes to prayer, I, you fill in the blank. When it comes to prayer, I, don't know what you're talking about, I'm scared, whatever. When it comes to prayer, I. Well, here were the top three responses. When it comes to prayer, number one, I don't pray enough. I recognize that one, don't you? Number two, I don't know what to pray. Number three, I don't know if prayer does any good. And here's one I've added because many people basically have let me know this. Number four, I don't know how to pray. Prayer is confusing, boring, uh, just people don't know. Now, as we read, starting in verse 22, Jesus, Jesus came to a fig tree, he cursed it, they came back a couple days and there was no roots left of the fig tree. It had died. And Peter turned to Jesus and basically his question is this. Well, how did your prayer work? How could you have said those few words and God answered your prayer, Jesus? What's your, what's your secret? How did it work? And here's Jesus' response in verse 22. Jesus said, have faith in God. So Jesus said, well, the reason it works... Peter, is because my faith is not based in me or in my words, it's based in God. And if you're going to have effective prayers, your prayers must be based in the person and the character of God. Faith is a confidence that what God has promised, he will do. Now we're going to talk about effective prayer this morning, faith in prayer, forgiveness in prayer, and moving mountains. 
Effective prayer rests on a personal relationship with God. Effective prayer rests on a personal relationship with God. Just write this verse down. I'll read it to you. We won't go there this morning. We'll go to many others as we're going through the book of Mark. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must first of all believe that He exists, then that He rewards people. He's a good God. Those who do, who does He reward? Those who earnestly seek Him. So Jesus was saying to Peter, there's a secret to my prayer, and it's this, I have a personal relationship with God. Well, that's not too hard to understand that God's Son is a personal relationship. But sometimes for you and I, we wonder where the strength of my prayer, the effectiveness of my prayer is going to come from. Here's where it's going to come from. If you know Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior, then you can have confidence that your prayers will be heard by God because He is your Heavenly Father. You have a personal relationship with Him. Now, if you're not a believer this morning, and certainly there are many who are here that are seeking God and want to know about God. They've never, they're religious, but they don't know what it means to be a believer. Being a believer means that you acknowledge your sin and that Jesus Christ died for you. And you personally invite God through the person of Jesus to come and live in your heart. You do that privately in your heart and then publicly here before this congregation and before God. And God comes into your life. Now, before you become a believer, the only prayer that God hears from you, if you're not a believer today, is the prayer of repentance, calling out and saying, I'd like to be a believer. So all effective prayer comes from a relationship, first of all, that the person praying knows God and is a believer. Secondly, look at verse 23. Defective prayer can move any mountain. Let's read verse 23. And Jesus continued and he said this, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this what? Mountain. Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now that's a strange thing. Who would say to anybody when you go and see a mountain, go fall into the sea? In Florida, I'd like some more mountains, wouldn't you? Well, maybe in Colorado they would say this. But what this really meant, it's strange for us because we don't know the context, but it was a very common Jewish phrase which meant this. A mountain equaled difficulties, obstacles, problems. So you can substitute the word there. Here's what Jesus says. If you have enough faith, you can pray and God will remove difficulties, problems, and obstacles in your life or mountains. What mountain you're facing right now? What difficulty? What problem? Let me give you some examples. What are you anxious or worried about? What area in your life are you troubled about? Believing that this situation, this problem, this difficulty, there's really no way out. The mountain is too big. Maybe you need God to give you faith for your marriage. Some of you are right on the edge of separation and divorce. Maybe some of you are facing death this morning. We all are, but you are in a time of sickness and disease. 
Maybe some of you are addicted sitting in this congregation. Alcohol, drugs, pornography. You can't keep away from it. Some of you here this morning have fears. Fears that just haunt you. And you don't believe you'll ever get over them. I don't know what it is. Some of you here this morning have a friend that, or a, a loved one that you've witnessed to. You have a son or a daughter who isn't serving God. They're just as far away from God as could be. Or a mom or a dad. And you've witnessed to them, but it's like talking to a wall. And it's a mountain. And you're saying, well, there's no way God can reach them. Whatever it is, I want you to write it down. Just take a moment, write it down in your paper. And when we talk about mountains today, I want you to look at that area. Now, if you don't mark it down, you won't get a lot from the teaching. In fact, most of us should have more than one thing we write down, shouldn't we? I mean, should you should have said, Mark, where's the list of 12 things here that I'm concerned about? So obviously all of us have something. So write it down, visualize it as we talk about that. The next point is this. Effective prayer has faith in God's goodness and His power. Turn in the Bibles, keep your finger there in Mark. We'll be right back to Matthew chapter 7. Prayer is a two-way conversation with God. You say, I don't know what it's like. Well, this morning as you looked and said hello to your neighbor in the aisle in front of you, behind you, you were talking to them. That's what prayer is about. It's just as simple as talking to God. It's not some complicated, memorized prayer. It's your heart verbalized through your lips, talking to God. It's based, as we said, on a relationship with God. If you're a believer this morning, listen now, if you're a believer this morning, you are either a son or a daughter of God. He's your heavenly Father. So let's look at what happens. Do you believe that God wants to bless you, basically, in your life? See, if you don't believe that God wants to bless you this morning then you'll never have a loving relationship with God. You'll always be trying to serve God out of a legalistic kind of thing. Have I done enough? Have I prayed enough? Have I given enough? Have I witnessed enough? Have I gone to church enough? You'll never enjoy your relationship with God. You see, it cannot be legalistic. Maybe that's where you come from. You just always feel condemned. Well, then you don't understand your relationship with God. Romans 8, 1 says, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, do we fail? Yes. And you should be repentant. But we must come from a place of grace. See, God's a good God. He loves you this morning. He's filled with more grace than you can ever imagine. Do I need it? Oh, I need it. And so do you. But remember, you're a son and daughter of a loving God. You have to believe that. Look at verse 9, Matthew 7. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? So Jesus is using a great illustration. Can you imagine your kid got up this morning and he said that you wanted some toast and you went out to the garden, picked up a stone, popped it into the little toaster oven and buttered, put some jelly on it and set it down in front of him. What kind of dad would that be? You know, the kid says, I know we're into hell stuff and heavy stuff and lots of fiber, but this is ridiculous. And you look at you like, what's wrong with you, Dad? Then Jesus goes on. He says, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a steak. 
So you mothers, your daughter said, I'd like to you know, have some Long John Silvers or whatever. So you bring them back a nice snake broiled and ugh, and whatever. And what would they think of you? Well, you wouldn't ever do that as a parent. But look at the next verse. If you then, though you are evil, in other words, compared to God as a parent, know how to give good gifts to your children, you would never do that, as you've just seen in those two verses. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So Jesus says the character of God, your Father, is goodness. God loves to give, to give good gifts to those who pray, to those who pray effectively in faith. God is a good God who loves to answer his kids' prayers. You're a kid. God's your Father. He's a good God. So I must believe that when I pray, God is a good God. He wants to bless me. Next, effective prayer has faith in God's wisdom. In God's wisdom. You see, in a moment, we'll come to the different ways God answers prayer. There's only one way I want God to answer my prayer. Yes, now, immediately. But there's other ways. And to understand that, we have to realize that the reason God does that is because He's wise. As I was flying, we were around 35, 37,000 feet, and looking out, and you just see different things as you go along, and I've been to California many times, and, and we went over the Grand Canyon again. Here I am, 37,000 feet, looking out the window at the Grand Canyon. Now, if you had good enough eyesight, you could see down there probably a, a little guy on his donkey going through the caverns of the Grand Canyon. Take my view versus his view of the Grand Canyon. Any difference? Would you say I might have a little different perspective than the guy down there from 37,000 feet? You betcha. So this is what you have to understand. God has a little different view of our life than we do. We're the guys in the donkey in the Grand Canyon. All we can see is a little bit to the right and left, a little bit where we came from, and we're kind of afraid where we're going. We've just never been there before. By the way, tomorrow, you've never been there before. You say, oh, yes, I have been to work. And no, you haven't been. The circumstances are never the same. You've never been there before. So when I ask a prayer and God doesn't give it to me the way I want, why? Because he's wise. You see, God knows the beginning of your life to the end of your life. Yes, you. And the Bible says every day of yours has already been numbered. He knows how many days you're going to live. He knows what's going to happen. By the way, does God have a better view than the pilot at 37,000 feet? Is he a little higher than that? He's a lot higher. he got a great view. See, he knows the beginning of time to the end of time before there was any. When we get to heaven, there is no time anymore. We're outside of that. We don't even understand that. Can't even comprehend that. But he knows your life. So when he is listening to your prayers, he knows ahead. All the guy down in the donkey can see is around the corner, if he can see that. But God knows a year, five years, seven years, Tuesday, he knows. You don't know. So you have to trust in his wisdom. So first you have to trust that he's good, and he wants to bless you, and then you have to trust in his wisdom. So let's come to the different answers that we see that God gives us. Basically, there are three. Yes, no, and wait. 
If God doesn't answer yes, how do you and I respond? No problem, I trust you, God. I don't think so. We usually get anxious. We usually get disappointed, discouraged, sometimes resentful at God. It's normal. Let's talk about God's wait answers first. When God says wait, when you pray, you don't get a no, you don't get a yes. It's like nothing is happening. Ever been there? The wait answer is tough for all of us. We live in a now society. Everybody wants everything yesterday. I can remember as a kid, my dad having a brownie camera. And you take this little roll or whatever, and you take it to the Photoshop. And if you got it in seven to ten days, you were happy. Today, if you go to Walmart and the gal is over her 30 minutes, you rant and rave at the counter. What's wrong with you? How come you took so long getting my pictures? We want everything now. Now, interestingly, as parents, when our kids come to us and they want things, sometimes we say to them, you can't have everything now. Because if I gave you everything that you asked for when you wanted it now, you'd be nothing but a spoiled brat. We use that, don't we? Interesting that when God uses that, we struggle with it. He doesn't want his kids to be spoiled brats. So he says, quite often, wait. Now, what do wait answers do? Two things. Wait answers mature us. When God says wait, his wait answers mean we must learn to trust God and not our own wisdom. Wait answers cause us to have faith in God's timing. And wait answers allow God to speak to others who are going to be involved in the overall plan and God just has to arrange those lives to get into our lives in that circumstance and we don't see any of that happening in the background. Some of you who are single have been waiting for your spouse forever and you just can't figure what's happening. Well, God's arranging that other person to come into your life and it takes some time and when he's ready, that kind of thing will fall into place. Now, some of you are going to say, she or she or he must be a beaut because it's a long wait. <laughs> well, if God brings them, they're going to be a beaut. So just hold on. So wait answers, number one, maturist. Wait answers, number two, often mean God has something better. How true this was for Lazarus. Remember Mary and Martha said, Jesus, Lazarus, our brother is sick. Come visit him. Jesus waits four days. When he gets there, the Bible tells us his Lazarus is now dead. In fact, he's been dead for four days, and the Bible adds another little word, he stinketh. <laughs> and Mary and Martha are going, why did you wait? It's too late. The circumstances are impossible. We know from the story that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He didn't stinketh no more. He was alive. And what did that show? It showed greater power, the power of actually bringing back the life that the people hadn't seen. See, God knows his timing is perfect. You have to trust his wisdom and his goodness. In this church, we looked forever for pieces of property. We looked at 30 pieces of property in this area for a church. We just looked and looked. And numbers of times, I knew we'd found the property. You know, I'm the spiritual leader. I knew. <laughs> and when it fell through, 
I was angry at God. And I drive, oh my God, man, that was a perfect place. We could have orchestrated, we could have turned it left and done this, we could have packed the people in. What is wrong with you? What has happened here? Why do you want us in this Seventh-day Adventist building? I'm tired of being in the school. We want our own place. Pretty mature, aren't I? <laughs> Ever been there? Yeah. And then God opened up this place. Could there have been a better spot? Impossible to see what he's done and what he continues to do. And as we look at that, it reminds me, Chuck Swindoll talked about really interesting things. So many churches today searching for how to grow. They have growth seminars, how to grow. Do you know they have growth seminars that when you get to 300, you need to go there and they'll tell you how to get to 500. When you get to 500, they have a seminar to tell you how to get to 700. We're crazy. And Chuck Swindoll, again, encourages, as all the Calvaries have been, just simply offer contemporary worship, a loving church, and feed the sheep, and God will grow it. And that's exactly what's happening. You see, we don't stand and tell you about Hitler. We don't tell you about Russia. Although we talk about all those things, we teach the Word of God. That's the thing that will change your life. People want to know what's happening. And God provides it. So we can't be anxious. And as you see where we sit today, this is where God put us. And as I drive by many of those other places, we would have never already fit. We would be dead-ended. But God knew. I didn't. So maybe you're in a holding pattern this morning. And you're just, God, where are you? Relax. He knows. Wait for His timing. Something better will come along. Now, let's go to another favorite, one of mine. No answers. You ask and you get no. Well, let's talk about six reasons. Look at verse 23 in the book of Mark, chapter 11. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain... Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. The first reason we get no answers is very simply this. We haven't asked. James 4.2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. What I find in my life is sometimes we're very surprised at things that don't happen that we think should happen. And when you stop and reflect on it, you realize you never prayed and asked God for it to happen. How interesting that we could come on a Sunday and Saturday night and Sunday night and to the Crusades. That, and this is what Greg Larry talked about in the Crusades. That we become so used to this that we in our own prayer life don't stop and say. And by the way, you should be doing this every week. God, this weekend, bring people to Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing you should pray. God, this weekend, cause Christians to be fed and to be growing and maturing. Don't assume it. Ask it. Sometimes we don't ask God. It's simply not given to us because we don't ask. Now, why don't we ask? Here's why. Because I'm going to arrange all the circumstances. I'm going to set all the people in place. I'm going to take everything right. And then when it doesn't happen, I go, whoops, I guess I better pray. Today, Pastor Mark covered a wealth of information about effective and powerful prayer. As we just heard from Scripture, a successful prayer life begins with a personal relationship with God. 
Too often, people expect to order up answers as if God is a list of menu items. Effective prayer, though, has the potential to move mountains and bless our lives. But first, we have to be called children of God living for Him. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark continues to examine the power of prayer as well as the reasons we may be struggling with a weak prayer life. From simply not asking to wrong motives, there are stumbling blocks that can weaken our faith, our relationship with God, and our prayer. We'll hear how Scripture holds the answers to heal all those ills and be encouraged to begin a new prayer life right away. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.